Come on, church. How are we doing this, this evening? Are you not inspired by that? Spencer, a, a son of this house, that was inspiring. Devin, I, I want to go to war with you wherever you go. I'll be there. I'll be there. Count me in because we're going to win. We're victorious with things like that. Thank Hallelujah. you, men of God, for leading us straight to the throne room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I know that there is uh, I gotta, I'm, I got to stay put. I can't walk around. I'm going to walk off the stage. All right, Justin. I might start running through the chairs after that worship. That was awesome. I know there's uh, fire shut up in bones in this place. One, because it's hot as hell in here right now. But also because of that worship and that response, it's not just obviously these guys, it's this whole room. It's hearts of David that want to set this world on fire by proclaiming the truth and the promises of God. And it just starts right here. We just shout it out, dancing, but our lives exhibit this worship everywhere we go. Don't forget it. Don't just be joyous and uh, you know, jam out here. Jam out everywhere you place your feet, everywhere God's called you. Exhibit this fire here everywhere you go. Watch what, watch what happens. We, we want to kill uh, Athaliah. We want to put her to death. We want to shut that, uh, that queen of heaven imposter up. You light that place on fire with God's presence. The enemy will run every single time. Amen. It's, on, it's, amen. it's just so encouraging to be up here with these guys. And I, I'm, I just want to tell you men, I'm humbled genuinely that I would get to do this uh, here. And um, I, I'm, I'm humbled by this whole, this whole thing every year. It, it humbles me. It touches me. And it, to see the faithfulness exhibited in this room, I've said this before. I'll repeat it a million times again. I've seen this. I've been in this my whole life. And, and this, what we have here, I know it's unimaginable, but I've watched it crumble. I've watched it. I've watched men replace the fire of God with their own traditions, with their own ways, with their design, and it fails. It does not shut up the mouth of that ancient evil. It doesn't chop the head off of the ancient evil. When men put in place their ways over the word of God, you wonder why we're so fanatical about implementing the word of God. You ever think that Eric is a little harsh maybe with the word? I'm telling you, he's not, he's not harsh enough because in each of us, even in this place, there is a, this, this sin nature. True. That is working against the will of God in this place. And if we allow it, if we don't allow the fire of God to fully consume us, not just here, but in every moment when you're driving, when you're going back to churches, in your church, when you're at work, if you don't let the fire of God to stay kindled and you don't fan that thing into flame, your pitiful sin nature will put it out. Yeah. As powerful as the power of God is, your complacency can put it out. I'm encouraging you. That's a good saints. word, Justin. Listen, we're going we're gonna, to, I'm not going to see this fail. We're, we're not, this will not fail because that fire shut up in our bones is going to come out of our mouths, out of our families, out of our children's mouths, out of our children's children's mouths in the name of Jesus. I, I just encourage you, keep fanning this into flame everywhere you go. 
Don't get offended. Be encouraged in the name of Jesus. Amen? Like I said before, this isn't an, an offensive message. This is an encouraging message. Y'all turn to Genesis 3. Genesis 3. A brother last night reminded me of the message that I preached last, last year. And he laughed about it. He's like, it's going to be an encouraging message, not an offensive message. As I totally offended him. Uh, but he loved it. I was, it was a blessing. Genesis uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 14. You know the stories that we're talking about. Uh, about uh, uh, Jephthah and Ipsan and Jehoiada and Joash and the promises of God. We're going to bring out a couple of things that we just want to encourage you with tonight that will encourage you to fan and to continue generationally to fan this into flame so that God's word really does consume and it surrounds us everywhere we go in the name of Jesus. But this thing is an ancient evil. It's been going on forever. Genesis 3 verse 14 says... So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly. You'll eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity. Look at your neighbor and say enmity. Enmity. Between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He'll crush your head and you will strike his heel. We are preserving God's promises. That promise. We are still striking the head of the enemy. Are you striking the head of the enemy in your life, saints? It's something that we can't just let other men do. We all have to do it. Yeah. It's a promise to all God's people. God spoke it. It's a promise. It's still going on to this day. What we're doing here is proof of that, by the way. What the three of us are doing, I don't, I don't know, obviously, I don't know these brothers other than Jesus. I, I mean, the way he's brought, the way he and brings this together he works and moves for those who love him he brings them them together so that they can fulfill his promises this is not for nothing you're not here for nothing you're not hearing these messages for nothing. you're not sacrificing everything you sacrifice for nothing it's for the will of god to continue on and it's it's important how many of you believe that tonight if you believe it say i believe it i believe it the promises that God spoke are just like the lineage of King David. The lineage that our King Jesus would eventually come from and a lineage that still echoes out in this room right now. Somebody look at your neighbor and tell him, long live the king. Long live the king. Look at your other neighbor and say, long live the king. Long live the king. We're going to do that probably 30 times, all right? But listen, there's two parts to that promise of God that we read in Genesis that we all know. Yes, we crush his head. Amen. However, he also will strike our heel. How many of you have had your heel struck? Yes, yeah, exactly. And other body parts. Yeah, lots of, yeah. Also note, though, in this promise that God placed this enmity. I want you all to understand that our king is the one that set the rules from the very beginning. Yeah. Understand that the spiritual deck is actually stacked in your favor. Amen. Don't you dare walk around like you are not in God's favor. You are able to accomplish the very will of God. Yeah. If you will stop letting your faithlessness and your pettiness. By the way, I'm preaching to myself again. This is encouragement. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, 
you can do this because God called you to do it. He set the game up for you to be victorious. If we would just drop down the doubt and say, Jesus, you're the sea splitter, man. What am I thinking? You're the one. How many of you had a miracle in your life? Raise your hands. How many of you had one, two, three miracles? Yeah. None of you are without excuse. You know you've had God deal, do things miraculous. How could you possibly doubt the King of Kings? You can't. Everyone stands witness in this room right now. You're all stones that got drug out of the river, the middle of the river. Stones that made an altar to the testimonies of God. Hold each other accountable to it. Spur one another on because the promises of God are worth it. Protecting the lineage of God's promises are worth it. Crushing the head of the enemy is worth everything because it fulfills God's promises. Amen? And we're still doing this. Jesus is still coming back, but there's still work to be done. That's what all of this is. This isn't the idea of a, this isn't a, a, a business venture. Holy cow. There would be other businesses we would do. All right. Every man. Perhaps. I don't have anything. That, I, that's, this is not, I'm not making money. I'm losing everything. I'm like, hey, this business this is not, because it never was meant to be a business model. It was a God's plan model. And it all, it, it doesn't just cost you something. It costs you everything. Yeah. And look, that, that, that hurts every bit of it. Let it hurt. Because God fills those us. with his power to enable them to crush the lies of the enemy when men and women take off that fear, shake it off, and walk in faith. God does miraculous things. We're still doing it. I, I want to encourage you. We have to make those righteous sacrifices. Psalm 4 Verses 4 and 5 say, tremble and do not sin. When you're on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Verse 5 says, offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Listen, we're able to destroy the lies of the enemy. We're able to defeat, defeat anxiety and fear. I'm going to say that again. We are able to defeat anxiety and fear and insecurities. There was some intrepidation I'm sorry I'm saying this, about discussing the, the amount of fundage that's needed. Because it's a lot. And you know, these men, they, they don't like talking about it. They, they, I know because I'm a pastor. King's Harvest knows. I had to get Eric to come into King's Harvest and talk about this. I couldn't even do it. He, he, the Lord led him prophetically. He didn't know what he was talking about. I didn't either. He, talked, he spoke a message about sacrificial giving. And it, it, the, my church needed it because it makes me uncomfortable. How sad is that? Talking about insecurities and fear. I told you I'm talking about me. But I want to tell you guys that money is nothing. It's nothing. Your, your life is everything. I mean, the, the, we, if we have that mindset, I, the, the, we, we ought not fear any dollar amount, and I know we don't. But I'm just telling you, I'm talking about those fears and insecurities. Well, if I give this up, if, am I going to? No, give it up to the Lord. You're not going to get anything back in return other than the favor of God. And that, God dog it, that should be enough, right? That's all that I want. And I'm not, this is, I'm not, I'm not a salesman. I, I, don't, I hate talking about this, but I know this is the Lord right now in this moment. You've got to ask the Lord, not, not tremble in fear, lay in your bed. You have to ask the Lord, what's the right sacrifice? 
He's going to tell you it's your whole life. And that's your starting point right Amen. there. And then watch and see what the Lord does. Come on. Look, the, 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 the head of this wicked queen's not going to cut her own head off. It, it has to be, the weapon has to be in your, in your hand. Amen. The Amen. favor of God has to be around you, all around you, Good. surround you. Tonight, I encourage you, let us examine our hearts. Ask the Lord to reveal to us things in us that need to change so that we are able to preserve God's promises. Not the things that come easy for us. I'm not talking about those things like, oh yeah, this is my weakness. This is my, this is my, my, my weak area, pastor. Not that. Not things that your pastors have inspired you to put to death in their last message series or several message series. Not that. Not even in the, la uh, the last thing that maybe you were rebuked for. That someone recognized. I'm not even talking yeah. about that. All good things, by the way, to remove out of your life, and that's a great ways. But what I'm saying is, let's ask the Lord to reveal the things that we don't know yeah. that are preventing us from protecting the promises of God. <laughs> ask the Lord, and you say, well, you know, there's a, the saying, you don't know what you don't know. I'm going to tell you that, and I'm guilty of saying it. I said it recently. I'm convicted saying this. Yeah. Didn't I just say it? Didn't I say it in the men's meeting? Yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, yeah yes, I, I did. said it a couple times. <laughs> I wrote, we, we wrote our message yesterday. I didn't know what we were talking about. To, but, but it's true. I'm saying I'm guilty of it. Let me tell you what. That doesn't work in the kingdom. You can't say, oh, you don't know what you don't know. You can't use that as an excuse. You know why? Because you have a main line to the king of kings who knows all things. If the spirit of God dwells in you, then get on your face and say, Lord, show me the things that I don't know so that I may know, so that I may protect your promises. Either God is who he says he is or he isn't. I say he is who he says he is. He's not a liar. Can we demonstrate tonight in our life and say, Lord, show me supernaturally by your spirit. I promise you he'll show you tonight. And as we take hold of this message, we're going to crush the head of the enemy. Amen. Amen. Oh, sorry. Come on, can you say amen, church? Amen. I love preaching with your pastor, Justin. It's my first time doing so. And I love that his five-minute intros are much like my pastor Zeke's five-minute intros. And they turn into 15-minute intros. But I love you for it. I love you for it. I told him to keep me accountable up He's, here, so I deserve He is that. filled with wisdom from on high. And we need to hear it, pastor, so thank you. I just want to start by quoting... Uh, another pastor and father of this house. So I'm going to. He has said many times this week that we are on the precipice of the greatest expansion of the gospel in the history of our communities. Would you agree with that? It is the highest honor and privilege that the Lord may allow you to participate in that. Isn't that encouraging, church? You want to hear it again? We are on the precipice of the greatest expansion of the gospel in the history of our communities. All of our communities collectively as one. It is the highest honor and privilege that the Lord would allow me and you to participate in it together. That is a great word and an encouraging one to us. Another thing I want to bring to mind as we begin, and we didn't even title this, so that's going to be fun. We'll figure that out at the end. But our sons are becoming kings. Should have been a little more exciting. Our sons are becoming kings. Yeah, it's all right. Hey, it's 80 degrees up here. 
I don't know how hot it is back. Well, actually, I do know how hot it is back there. It's hotter up here. So I don't want you to fall asleep, and we're going we're gonna to try to move fast and, and keep you on track, keep it fired up for you. But I said our sons are becoming kings. It's on example all around you. You've seen demonstrations of it. You've seen many demonstrations of it. We could stop preaching right there. That'd probably be enough, or at least it should be. But we have some more. One thing I kept thinking of as I heard that, that perhaps there may be a critic in the room. Perhaps at times my heart is critical of things that I hear. So I wrote this kind of for me, and if it's for you, then receive it. It is. But it says this, or I I wrote this, so I wrote this. If you were to think that the phrase, we want your sons, is awkward in any way or hard to hear, I want to remind you that it's a biblical message. One that's been tested and triumphed in all of our churches and houses, however you want to word it, because I know I'm a son of an amazing father who's here. A biological father, amazing man of God. And I'm also the spiritual son of my very own brother. Where does that fit in your theology if you have a problem with it? Yeah, come on, explain it. These are spiritual things that we're talking about. Yeah, it gets weird for sure. These are spiritual things that we're talking about. Yeah, in the best way possible. So I'm proud and excited to stand with the men. Proud and excited to stand with Pastor Justin. Because I know he's producing sons that are becoming kings. I've had many talks with Cameron by the pool as we watch our children. And I see sons. And I see sons standing confidently, testifying of the good things the Lord has done. And I see sons becoming kings. And it is exciting. So I've already been doing this, but I want to explain what I've been doing. I've been zakaring. Can everybody say zakar? Yeah, I love it so much, I put it on my arm. Yeah, but you got to show them like you showed me. Put it on my arm. To Zakar. Yes. To Zakar. To remember. To call to mind. And to record these things. So I want to just, I want to explain a little bit of that to you. Uh, before Pastor Jake leads us to the deep things of the king tonight. And really challenges and checks and corrects our hearts and puts us on the right path. But it's said like this by some Jewish scholars regarding zakar or call to mind. In the Bible, remembering particularly on the part of God. So when we think of God, the Jews, when they think of God, it's not the retention or recollection of a mental image that they're thinking of, but it's focusing upon an object or a memory that then results in action. Can everybody say action? Action! So future and past are very different for a Jewish, traditional Jewish man who's reading and understanding Hebrew and and my Gentile way of thinking. We see future as being ahead of us and being explored and the past behind us and already done. You'd say New Year's is a time to set goals for the new year and to look to what is ahead. Jews would have seen the past in front of them. And visibly there to learn and grow. Come on. The future is behind them and unseen. Would you say you need a perspective change? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Me too. One of our greatest acts of worship 
is to remember. So I put that on the other arm. To remember to worship him. Because if I can do that, and I can lead my home in doing that, then we're going to be victorious. You see, I like the simple things. That's why I got Pastor Jake to take me deeper. But to remember and to worship. Psalm 77, verse 11 is one key scripture of Zacharb. And it says this. I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your words of old. We're using old things for new victories, church. We're using old things for new victories. Things that have been tried and tested and proven true. Can you see it? Look, our oaths are part of that. Our irreducible minimums are part of that. These are ancient truths that are being set up in our lives to give us new victories. So I want to mention just a few things that have happened so far in our conference, quickly, just to remember them. One that spoke to me powerfully was a prophecy in tongues from Spencer, I believe, and it was interpreted by Pastor Judah. He talked about evil and darkness. This ancient evil is wanting to crush and to kill the light. And he reminded us to remember to Zakar what you are in Christ Jesus. You are the light. You are the light. Remember that as we progress in this message. Another one that struck me was Nick Slaughter prophesying during our first worship set of this morning of Deuteronomy 4. Verse 1, he says, Listen to the statutes, O Israel. Listen to the statutes and judgments which I am teaching you to perform in order that you may live. And not just live, but take action and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. And verse 4, jumping down, says, But you who held fast to the Lord, your God, your God is alive today, and every one of you are alive. I want to live, church. Amen. Do you want to live? Yes. Then we're going to remember these ancient things that we've been speaking about, and we're going to have new victories. Amen. One more remember. Is that okay? Yes. It's getting hotter and hotter in here, but that's all right. I saw him put some fans back there, so five or six of you are cooling off nicely. So that's good. That's good news. I want to remember... This morning in our time of worship, as the whole team led us beautifully, something stood out to me. Pastor Geary. We can't go forth without taking note of this because what this is, is Pastor Brent, I haven't made eyes with him yet, Pastor Brent, implementing these ancient things, these ancient old ways and producing sons that have become kings who are soaked in the anointing. I mean, when he first started singing and, I, and it transitioned and he started leading, it, it changed everything for me. Yeah. Not that we weren't there. Everyone else was leading. But it changed everything for me. me too. And my family and my, my son who was on my shoulders, it changed everything. Yeah. And it's because that son has become a king and he's anointed to lead people Amen. into the presence of God. Yes, and it's absolutely encouraging. You can turn to Deuteronomy 8. I think we're even going to have it on the screen. It's been a minute since I've preached with screens. Look at that. Oh, okay, wrong one. It's okay. Deuteronomy 8, we're going to read anyway. The screen may be wrong. See, we're not. It's right now. These things happen fast here. Not used to that. Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8, 1 says this. 
And all the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do. Come on, this is an ancient word. But is it true right now in your life? All right, we'll get there. You can interact. Is it going to be true in your life? Are you going to fight for it and contend for it? You're going to do this that you may live and that you may multiply. And that you may go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give your forefathers. Come on, we got encouraged and it it got really alive in here when we were singing, he split the sea so I could pass right through. That's what our king did. That's what he did for me. So it excites me. I know it's what he did for you. And it excites you as well. You shall remember. You shall zakar all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. That he might humble you. Who wants to be humbled? I need to be humbled. So he might test you. Who wants a little testing? Come on, we pray all the time. God, don't take this weight from me. Please don't. It's our honor to, to stand under and bear it. Just give us strength to continue bearing this weight. And that you, too, know what was in your heart is why he's doing that. And you wanted to see whether you would keep his commandment or if you would not. And Pastor Buddy gave us a beautiful charge. I love that man of God. I can't wait to stand with him in Peru again. He said, and if not, it's okay. What he did was actually a beautiful gift. He said, you can leave. Jesus said it. It's not offensive. It's actually a gift to say, you don't have to do this. Surprise, surprise, it's not a cult. The doors are open. Isn't that a good thing? Surprise, surprise. No cult. Because you can leave freely. The only thing that's going to happen is your brothers and your sisters are going to weep and cry and, and beg that maybe you would be revived. What a beautiful bunch of people. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think so. So we have to move on so we can leave time for Pastor Jake. Me and Justin have more in common than I would have ever imagined. <laughs> It's because you're, you're you start it's rubbing off. It's, yeah, it's rubbing good. Off. But I don't have that hoodie. And that hoodie's uh, We should take time. That's beautiful. Yeah. And it's making you hotter, I can tell I you. Know. I know. I, I don't regret it, but I kind of do regret wearing it. But it's just, if you think it's gaudy, it is. It's not gaudy. No, I love it. But you should see the sweatpants that came with it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a whole outfit. Eli Kanitska... We're, we're real quick. Long live the king. Sorry, Jay. Yeah, long live the king is right. Uh, Keep talking. It's sorry. Good. This sorry. Is good. I told yeah. him I wouldn't do this. They're like, a, 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 I'm not going to walk around. I'm going to follow my notes. But I got it. With it. Eli was, uh, he found these hats. We, 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 we've gone lying crazy. Yeah. We're all about the king of Judah yes. and the root of David. Yes. And as, as Revelation 5 5 says, those scrolls, one is worthy, has come. And he's coming back. And it's the king. And it's. It is the lion. So we've, we're going a little lion crazy at King's Harvest. But it's something that, like in all of us, the Lord birthed long ago before I even understood it or knew it. And um, uh, ask anybody in my church about what the, the lion means to me, in particular a white lion with his fangs, uh, with his teeth showing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a message for all of us. It's a, it's a terrifying message that we all are a part of. And uh, so, yeah, but I didn't wear the sweatpants. No, you, the only reason you didn't is you didn't tell us in time enough <laughs> to make you put them on. Yeah. You so, just oh, Eli, Eli sent me the link to this, and he's like, hey, this looks like your dream. And I was like, well, I have, to, I have to buy that now. And it came with pants. What I didn't realize that it was 
made by an Asian company, and an XL is different there than it is here. I found that out. I know, I should have asked you. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is like a boy's husky size. This is, I needed like a 4XL. I didn't, if you're thinking like, well, it's gaudy and it's way too small, Pastor. I, I know, I didn't mean to, but I had to wear it. Come on. For, for this message. Hey, everybody can everybody? It looks good. Huh? Yeah. It looks <laughs> great. Yeah. I'm getting y'all some, right? We're, we're gonna... Can everybody say, long live the king? Long live the king. Come on, we're going to talk about David for a moment. But first, we're going to go to 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 16. And one time and one time only will you say Justin Johnson when you get there. <laughs> Seriously, one time. Justin Johnson. I had to do it for the Knicks. For the Knicks. But no more. You, <laughs> but no more. Because we love Justin and he doesn't like it. So let's honor our brother no, and not do it. Second Samuel 7, 12 through 16. I want to remind us of a promise. I want to remind us. I want us to remember a promise before we move forward and we discuss David just a little bit. We talk about the weapons of David and the urgency of David. And Amen. I know you Amen. Bible scholars know all about the life of David. Yeah. But I want to set the stage for us a little bit before Pastor Jake leads us. 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 16. And I may skip around a little bit, but it's, it's on the board. When your days come to an end and you sleep and you sleep with your ancestors, I will establish one of your descendants to succeed you. One of your own flesh and blood, I will set up his rulership and he will build a house for my name. And I will establish his royal throne forever. And verse 16 says this. Thus your house and your kingdom will be made secure. Forever. <laughs> will be made secure forever before you. Your throne will be set up forever. That's perpetual promise. There is going to be a king on the throne. Amen. So let us think about the character of David. And the sons of this very house as we think about that character. Your pastor Eric said this morning to us, he says, Do I look like a man that wants to keep waiting for this? He said, a decade has come. Do you think I want to wait another decade? That stood out to me greatly. And it fit beautifully what the Lord had been speaking to us and laying on my heart regarding urgency. I thought of David instantly. Why? Because it's the exact same spirit. This beautiful gift that Pastor Eric possesses. It's because the Spirit of God has filled him. So he wants you to possess that. Are we possessing it? Do we need to possess it a little bit more? This spirit of urgency, this fervor and fire in our bones. So we saw this character in David. And we see it in David. And, and when you see a thought that David has... In the same spirit that we see in each other, it's not just this new cool way or, or some new trend or, or thing that looks appealing to the world. Right? It's not trendy. It is God's way. And God's way established itself in David with a great urgency. One that you know very well, but I am going to read it to you. But first, I'm just going to declare it. David says this. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? How dare he defile my God? Amen. 
Come on, do you, do you speak to your fear that way? Do you speak to your anxiety that way? Do you speak to your doubt that way when, well, I can't be a son because of this, or I can't be a, a good daughter or a faithful servant because of this? Do you say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And how dare he try to defile my God, the spirit that's in me that desires me to be urgent and set ablaze for the things that he wants to accomplish? That's way, exciting. That, that's, just, that's just one point of this. Just one. Yeah. It's good if you say it, but it's better. Come on, if you live it. Yeah. We're going to see it. David says, or we say this is exciting as we see David. We're seeing our sons, church. We're seeing our sons walk in this. We're seeing our peers declare it. I have to move on, but I got to say one more thing. Pastor Mike, where is he? There he is. Pastor Mike. Watching you worship, unintentionally perhaps, but it, it dawned on me this week as we're worshiping together that I've been teaching my son to punch as he worships. <laughs> and, and, and as he started doing it, I was doing it with him, and I was like, it's Pastor Mike. He's fathering me. He's teaching me, and I'm passing it on to my children. Isn't that beautiful? It's just because the Spirit's that good to us. Come on. Amen. Look, 1 Samuel 17, 41 through 49. I promise we won't, we won't read it all. But you know the story. The Philistine comes. He approaches David with his shield bearer in front of him. We say, you coward. You're huge. What are you scared of? The Philistine looked and saw David, and he disdained him. He's just a young boy. You know this story. The Philistine says to him, my dog that you would come to me with this? How often do things come at you like that, church? They come at you big. They come at you strong. They want to knock you down. They want to remove you from the fight. They want to remove you from sonship. But then it happened in verse 48. Everybody say, then it happened. Then it happened. Oh, something took place. Some action happened. This is it. The Philistine rose, and he came, and he drew near to meet David. Uh-oh. Looks like death, right? Looks like defeat. Certain. David ran. Come on, someone say, David ran. He ran, and he didn't only run, but he ran quickly toward the battle line. And he met the Philistine. And David put his hand into his bag, and he took from it a stone, and he slung it, and he struck the Philistine on the forehead. Amen. But the stone sank into his head, and we know that he fell. But we know that that uncircumcised Philistine had some weapon on him, right? He had a weapon that, that David really wanted. David didn't need the weapon. He had experience, church. He had experience. He'd already killed a bear. He'd already killed a lion with the very weapon of faith. Yep. Yeah. That's how kings are made, though. Yeah. They pursue. We remember that David stood in the gap. He stood in the gap for the people. Are we standing in that gap? Are we willing to intercede? Oh, for sure we'll intercede in prayer. And that's a beautiful thing. A very beautiful thing. But the weapon of intercessory action may be something that we struggle with a little more. A response to the call. Let's intercede. Let's, let's pray. But what are we willing to sacrifice or do? What are we going to do? We got big tasks at hand, right? Big giants. Oh, we got a big God, a faithful God. Amen. So if we don't remember then, will we not be aggressive enough? If you don't zakar these things that are being taught to us, that are being taught to me from our pastors, if we don't zakar them, if we're not aggressive enough 
Are we fit for the work? No, we're not. We're not. So lastly, David did take the weapons as a reminder. He took those weapons because he was going to do some Zakarin later on. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Amen. So verse 50 says, David prevailed over the Philistine. And with a sling and a stone, he did that. He prevailed. But 51 says, then David, he ran. He wasn't done yet. The Philistine was dead with a rock buried in his head, and he fell flat on his face. But David wasn't done. He ran over and stood over the Philistine, pulled out the sword, drew it from the sheath, and he killed him and cut off his head. We, we love that talk in the spirit because it's action. But we got to put it to work. Amen. We sing about it. We, we shout about it. We declare it. We got to live it. The Philistines saw that their champion was dead and they fled. Much like he put an uh, armor bearer before him because he was a coward. When, yeah. when their armor bearer was gone, or their king, this Philistine, they fled. Yeah. But verse 54, David took the Philistine's head and he brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his weapons in his tent. Weapons here are not just the sword and sling. It's a weapon of urgency, church. Yeah. It's a weapon of action, church. Amen. Amen. And it's a weapon that is forged in faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. Everybody say weapons forged in faith. Weapons forged in faith. Pastor Zach speaking of Zakar. Remember. Remember the words of the Lord. Remember the promises of God. Remember what he has spoken. Because it's when you remember that you have something to be urgent about. You have something to be acting on. Pastor Justin opened with uh, Psalm 4. Offer right sacrifices and then trust the Lord. The right sacrifice is what is God asking me to do right now? I do not know the outcome, whether it will be of immediate personal benefit. Actually, it won't be. I don't know the outcome, but I know what he's requiring of me. So I will offer this as a right sacrifice, as a right offering, and then I will trust the Lord. His word is reliable. Do you know that? Pastor Zach is speaking of David because David was a man of urgency. David understood the law of the Lord and he wrote songs about it that are, as we've been saying, it's theology. The Psalms are theological books, ways that we can study God and know him, what he has done and what he will do. David spoke that way about his God because he meditated on the words of God. He's a card. He remembered and worshiped the Lord and trusted him because he knew what God had said. David was a man with this sort of heart. Pastor Zach speaking of how he ran to the giant. This was a time of urgency. Something needed to be done. God said that his name will be exalted. His glory covers the earth. And there is a giant, uncircumcised Philistine defying the armies of the living God. The ones who are intended to fight on this earth for God's glory to be displayed are doing nothing at the Valley of Elah in 1 Samuel chapter 15. There is a giant Philistine. There is the Israelite army. And there's a valley. And there's a giant calling out saying, who will come and fight me? 
Nobody moves because no one is trusting in the words of the Lord that he would always fight for his people. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Why wouldn't we fight? But there they are, scared and afraid to move, becoming passive. Everyone's waiting. Which guy is going to do something about this? This is David. This is who he is. A man of urgency. Why are we talking about David? Because God saw David and saw a man after his own own heart. And as we had on the screen earlier in 2 Samuel, David was a man that God said, I am going to, you will never lack a man to sit on the throne in Jerusalem. A forever covenant that I will make with you. You will have a son who lives forever as king in Jerusalem. What son will live forever? as a king, never to have another king replace him. We know this is Jesus, our Messiah. We shouted it, Jesus, Jesus, our Messiah. He will reign forever. And this was the promise that God had made. This was the word of the Lord to David and for David's sons. David was an intercessor and an urgent and bold one because he trusted the word of the Lord. He remembered it, and he trusted on it, and he offered a right sacrifice. Said, you got the outcome, Lord. So we arrive to 2 Kings. We got there, didn't we? 2 Kings, you know, chapter 11. You know the story. Our pastors have done a wonderful job laying it out for us. Um, so many angles to this. We're looking at all this, so many sides of this gem. Yeah. And as Pastor Justin was speaking of this ancient evil, always there would be enmity between the seed of the enemy and the seed of God's people. Yeah. Always there would be. And as Pastor Justin said, the deck was stacked in our favor yeah. because God decided on the enmity. I am going to put it there, lest you be able to cohabit. I am going to make sure you don't get along. And I'm giving you the promise which gives you the upper hand. Your seed will crush the seed of the enemy. God God is so, he's such a boss. He's making the enemy do what he said the enemy was going to do. He proclaimed something. He exposed the enemy and said, you're going to do this, enemy. And the enemy's like, you can't tell me. I've already rebelled. Again, how many of you had your heel struck? I mean, the enemy is obeying the word of God. He doesn't have a choice, in other words. So how much more should we take faith that, hey, our God's the one that he dictates everything. He's in control. He he literally splits the seas. We don't have an excuse, saints, to take up these weapons and chop the head off that ancient evil. We're going to do it. Amen. So in 2 Kings 11, we're seeing, you know, you know the situation. The line of David has come down to one small baby boy. Athaliah has risen up to destroy the line of David. To destroy the line through which the Messiah would come. Salvation will not come through this people. God will not bring salvation because I will choke them out. How it gets here is because either someone forgot, this is a bit of a, a little punny, but they forgot to Zakar, 
forgot to remember, or they were so scared that they were pushed into passivity, and they stared the Word of God right face to face like that long mirror, and refused to act upon what they saw. Something in that promise was going to require action of them, but because of fear, anxiety, they chose the route of passivity. And so we've come down to one king, Joash, who's been heroically stolen away and hidden in the room for six years, and now it's the seventh. And Jehoiada says, it's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. Jehoiada says, now is the time. time. You get a sense of urgency from Jehoiada? He gathers, as our pastors spoke, he gathers these mighty guards. He gets faithful guards, men that can be trusted, men who have taken oaths, men who can be trusted to look at the king and say, I pledge my life to him. I pledge my life to the continuation of him and his line. Those are the men that are gathered together by a man of urgency, and they begin to share the same urgency. Something must be done. Intercession must be made. Why? Not just because he's our cute little king and we love him. No. That's nothing to do with it at all. It's that God said there would always be a king on the throne in Jerusalem after the line of David. That must be carried out. God says, offer right sacrifices to me and then just trust me. Give me your obedience concerning the act that I'm requiring of you in this moment. Just give me your obedience. And I will take care of the rest. Trust in me. Put your outcomes in me. But see, you don't do this if you don't remember the word of the Lord. Surely Jehoiada remembered the word of the Lord. And then, of course, the Lord knows. His name says, the Lord knows. So if the Lord knows what's been going on between you and him... The last couple of days, you probably better act on it. Yeah. Yeah. The word of the Lord is so clear to Jehoiada that it's worth saying, now's the time, gather together, give, pledge your loyalty, your life, your lifelong loyalty to me and to this cause. Sorry, not to me. To the word of the Lord, to the declaration, to the promise that God has declared. Will you give your last drop of blood to be sure that this promise will not fail because of you and me. Now, I, I don't know where else I'm supposed to go other than um, to Isaiah 49. Mm. Mm. That'll work. Um, hallelujah. Yeah, everybody say, remember. remember. Come on, say, say that one more time. Remember! One more time. Remember! One more time like you're going to remember. Say it. Remember! Hallelujah. Now maybe, maybe what I'm about to read here, you've heard before, but it never really resonated with you to the point that you would mark it as something to remember. Now's our, ch- now's our chance. Now's our time. You've, I mean, you've had plenty, but you get another one. You have had plenty. I've had plenty. Because when the word of the Lord is delivered, when God declares what he is going to do, 
and that he promises to carry it out. And he says, you're my people to do it. Then you say, this is the word of the Lord that I will stake my life on. Are you in Isaiah 49? Over there. And, you know, we all want to have the same heart regarding this word. Yes. You know, we don't always experience the word of the Lord the same way that our brothers do at the same time. But you hang around long enough and you commit yourself properly to one another and it won't take much longer. And, of course, you ask the Lord, stir my soul with this, Father. Isaiah 49, I'm going to read verses 10 through 12. I was asking the Lord yesterday, last night, to stir my heart for this. Lord, I said, Lord, I, I, I already, I'm already on board with this. But God, sear this into my soul. Brand me with this. Verse 10 says, They will not hunger or thirst, nor will the scorching heat or sun strike them down. I believe it was 2016, right here, when the Lord spoke this word to the one association. Y'all, raise your hand if you know loosely what I'm reading here. In Isaiah 49. It's, it's okay if you don't know. Okay. This is, this is how the, one of the many scriptures that the Lord has used to speak very clearly to this association concerning what, what this generation and the generations to come, what is our responsibility to bef- before the Lord? Protect the promise. If the serpent will come against God's word in the very beginning and Athaliah will raise up because of passive men to try to destroy the word that the Lord has spoken, do not think that, that this enemy, and you know, but if just in case you're not thinking about it, he is trying with all of his might to choke out this purpose, this word, this promise, this declaration that he's given to this people. Let me keep reading. I need to just keep going. Verse 10, middle of verse 10, for he will have compassion on them. He who has compassion on them will lead them and will guide them. Everyone say to springs of water. Springs of water. Who in here is a spring of water? Who in here is making it your life's goal to establish springs of water where you are or where he has called you? God is speaking of leading people to springs of water. I will make all my mountains a road and my highways will be raised up. Behold, these will come from afar. And lo, these will come from the north and from the west and these from the land of Sinim. This is regarding what you've been seeing on hearing about, what you've been seeing on maps, what you've been uh, digesting over the past few days and prior to this conference. That the Lord is seeking to establish springs of water in all the nations of the world to feed feed the nations and bring them all back to Jerusalem. And this week, this weekend, we've been... What's been placed before us is this vision of one association, Europe. And right, and right with this vision, or so I'm sorry, this vision comes resting on this word of the Lord. Yeah. So you see what we're talking about. God speaks a word. 
And then he requires his people to, with urgency, trust his word, believe it, and then act on it, yeah. intercede for it, yeah. lest it be, yeah. lest it be choked out. He's calling his people to intercede, to stand as intercessors between the enemy and all that would seek the passivity of your flesh, the fear of man that you may have to give yourself to this. He's calling God's people to stand in the gap, to defend and uphold his vision and his promise in the face of wickedness that desires to destroy you. But you say, I will offer a right sacrifice to the Lord and trust in him come what may i will lay my life down for this and i will trust in him let me read this let me look at this again behold verse 12 these will come from afar people that god is calling from every nation to come into jerusalem and worship him there as you've heard from our brothers there are people waiting in europe they're waiting for a shepherd to come for a father to come to speak to them that they are kings and to raise them up as sons and to send them out so that this word will be accomplished in, in uh, Isaiah 49. That's urgent. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's an urgency to this. And here's why I want to take one more step. In the very first night, we talked from, I, from uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 31. We heard about how the church, not the churches, but the church in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, I, correct me, I don't have the names right, but you got it, that we would say, oh, no, no, he meant to say the churches. Something funny in the Greek, we missed the plural. No, the church, the singular church spread out over various territories, various regions. They were rejoicing together. Not to stay on that. But we get to chapter 10 of, of Acts, and that church is now approaching the Gentiles. And there's that scripture in there where Peter comes down from the rooftop. If you're not tracking with this, I'm, I, I'm sorry. Now we're with you. But, but you get it. We're with you. Peter comes down from the rooftop without hesitation. Do you know why? Because there was an urgency. Urgent. God said, Get up, go down, meet them. That was all that needed to be said. The word of the Lord was spoken, and so it was to be acted upon in, in earnest, with urgency. Yeah, help us, God. Peter was being called out to intercede. A man needed to stand up so that the word of God could go forth to where God had already determined that it would go. So God says to Peter, Peter, rise, go down. And he gets up and without hesitation, without, what's that word? Yes. Without hesitation. Diacrino. Some of you have become very familiar with that. And here's where we want to talk about urgency for a moment. Because who in here is opposed to the vision of one association year? I guess raise your hand. But no, nobody is, right? Nobody is. Who here thinks that your neighbor should tone down his zeal concerning this vision. Yeah. Does anyone here think that this is, who, raise your hand if you think this is a good idea. Yes! That's, that's good, that's, that's relatively compelling, but raise your hand if you think God has ordained this. Okay, so that means there's no room for hesitation. It's just not. 
Unless God says, this is what I want to do, but wait. Eric. I don't, he hasn't said that, right? I don't think so. No, he hasn't said that. Without hesitation, stand up, intercede, lay your life down, offer the right sacrifice of intercession. Offer yourself. Offer what he's requiring of you. And trust the Lord. Because this word in Isaiah 49 and the plethora of scriptures that come from the very throne of God will not fall to the ground because of us. Hallelujah. And it won't because we will urgently act upon this. Yeah. So that doesn't mean like, well, let's go all. It, the urgent means like now. Yeah. Like, like right now, now, right? Yeah. I guess that's not an altar call, but yeah. um, without hesitation, we will act upon this. Yeah. We, we all, the church will act upon this yeah. because God has spoken. So you see what, you see what Jehoiada has done. He goes back to the armory of David and grabs the ancient weapons. Why does he go to the armory of David? Come on. They're proven. They're proven. He's a man who remembers. David was an intercessor, and Jehoiada understood we need someone to intercede for the promise of God because the enemy is seeking to choke it out. Yeah. So, Right now, we like to say that phrase for such a time as this. It's yeah. a good one. We should say it, but we kind of throw it around. Yeah, yeah. Who knows whether or not you're alive and you're here for such a time as this? Yeah, yeah. You sense the urgency of es- the story of Esther yeah. to move? Yeah. Then do you sense the urgency that this has to happen in the spring of 2024? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Has to. And we're being asked to make sure that it does. Amen. Who wants the Lord to look elsewhere? No. 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 He's not going to. Yeah. He's not going to because he's going to find yeah. here yeah. a faithful Amen. intercessor. The thing is, here we have these promises. Isaiah 49, and talk to the team and talk. To, I mean, I, I need to get all of them. All the scriptures, you know. We need, to, we need to know the words of God that have been given. The, clearly, this is the word of the Lord that's been spoken. Here we have it. It's so powerful, yet it's motionless in idle hands. Right? The word of God is alive, but it's not. It's alive. But if it's in your hands, it means you must be wielding it. It's that you wield the sword. So because you wield the sword, we reach into that ancient armory. We take up the weapon of intercession. Which is not to pray, but to stand in the gap so that the promise of God will go forth in fulfillment because of your urgent action. Yeah. This is a weapon that's forged in faith. Amen. Amen. It's not just, I mean, thinking about David, it's not just David going to the battlefield. And you could actually say he, he went to the battlefield and he brought, a, he brought like an offering to his brothers, remember? He brought some cheese, some bread, you know. Probably some booze. I would. I mean, they probably need it. But yes, in Jesus' name, it was that way. But um, but David went there. But and he he observed the battlefield. But that wasn't enough. He heard the taunts of the enemy. He saw the cowardice in Israel. He was concerned about it. But his concern wasn't enough. He saw the giant. He heard the insults. He encouraged his brothers, like, what's going on? And they're like, shut up, go back into the sheep, shovel some sheep poop, go away. He was, you know, he was discouraged by other brothers. 
and, 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 and yeah, who weren't kings. And and that wasn't enough. David wanted to do something about this thing that was trying to destroy the yeah. lineage and the promises yes. of God. Yes. I'm telling you, we stand in that same spot. We have to do something. And if you're like, Lord, Pastor Joseph J. Zach, what, what is it? Get on your face. Ask the Lord. Listen to what's being said, what's being asked. Ask the Lord, why am I here? He will reveal it to you. Do y'all believe that? He will tell you. And then when he tells you, do it. Go run right at whatever giant's stopping you from doing it and put that thing in its place. And it's under your feet. That's where it belongs. It doesn't belong in your face, mocking God, mocking God's presence, stopping the lineage, stopping the, the line of David, what Jesus has called you to. It belongs in the grave, and it, it, it happens because of your actions. Amen? We're going to put this, we're going to stand in the gap. Jehoiada, that was a death sentence for that dude, if it doesn't work. I mean, he's, doing a, he's, he's leading a coup, and he's just, he doesn't even have the army. He's got, I mean, palace guards, pre, the, the priesthood, but it wasn't the army that he commanded. And he was doing this for a seven-year-old. It didn't make sense, but he noticed the urgency. Like, it'd make more sense. I'm going to wait till he's a strapping young, you know, he's ready. He's been, he had his sword training, and he knows. You think a seven-year-old was, was ready to be king? That wasn't the point. The point was the promise had to be preserved. Yes. And a man had to stand in that stead so that that man could become king. And he did. Uh, we're in the same boat, saints. Don't, don't dismiss yourself from this responsibility. This is no. not a handful of superstars' responsibility. It's every man and woman, child in this room. Do you all believe that tonight? Please. Look at verse 13 of 2 Kings chapter 11. I know you've... We there? 2 Kings 11, verse 13. When Athaliah heard the noise of the guard and of the people, she came to the people in the house of the Lord. Now just a moment. Who raises kings? Kings raise kings. Who wants to raise kings? Yeah. Who has, have you identified that you're a king? Have you stood up under that, that you're a king? Verse 14, Athaliah looked. She looked, and behold, this phrase, the king was standing. The king was standing by the pillar, according to the custom. So he's following an ancient way. What does she do when she sees the king standing? She shouts. She tears her clothes and cries, treason, treason. That's the best of her dying breath. She's got nothing left. Why? Because the king stood up. The king, she saw the king standing. So... Kings need to stand. Amen. We have to be doers. Look at Hebrews 4, last scripture of the, of the evening. Hebrews chapter 4, very quickly. Tell me when you are there. Hebrews 4, verse 12 is where we're going in for. Saints, are you still with us tonight? Verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any. Look at your neighbor and say, any. Double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. 
Everything, look at your neighbor and say everything, everything. is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Listen, everything is summed up, in my opinion, in that passage as it concerns to you taking hold of the weapons that God has plentifully given you. Weapons that have been forged in faith by men who have counted the cost yeah. and have made a way, like uh, Jehoiada has made a way for you to step in that godly calling that God's called you to do, that God's called this ministry to. The question is, are you going to do it? Are we going to accomplish it? Are we going to allow this scripture just to stay on the page? Or are we going to take it in our hand? We're going to take it in our hand. Amen. Uh, th that's the encouragement. If we engage with it just a little bit, I know we all know this scripture, but I want to tell you all, and I say this to my church so much, knowing and doing are very, very different things. Please don't get it twisted. There are tons of denominations scattered out all through these hills from here to my house there's i'm going to probably pass i don't know 17,000 churches <laughs> that might even have a portion of this scripture on their little ticky tack uh uh marquee. marquee thank you but they're not living it's just a marquee it's just words on a marquee it's just words that make them feel good oh yeah the word of god is sharp yeah no kidding i know it is it's the word of god of course it is the question is, is it sharpening your life? Yeah. Is it dividing the bone and marrow? Is it cutting away the dross in your life and every bit of faithlessness that would actually prevent the word of God being fulfilled in your life? Yes, That's the cost. If the word of God is not being fulfilled in your life, how are you going to protect the promises of God? This is not a light thing. What, what, what God has spoken to these men and spoken to all of us it is the heart of God, in my opinion. And you can tell by the fruit. We're actually doing yeah. the things that God says to do. Amen. We're actually fulfilling, like a bunch of lunatic fanatics, the word of God. Amen. We're not building Funfair Park churches. We're not, we're not, we're, 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 we're the, 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 you know, the, uh, the, whatever they're, the, you know, Six Flags Under Jesus or whatever they call, yeah, whatever they whatever it is. With the, we're, we're not producing fake fire to give the, we're not, we're, we are the fire of God. We're trying to actually do it. And there's no benefit from your sacrifice other than the obedience that you're being obedient to yeah. the call of God. And again, who are the ones that are blessed by God? It's the obedient. We're not going to be fooled by what is out there. We're going to continue in obedience. Come on, help us, God. The last part of this, uh, of this uh, sermon, thank you. The sermon. I need two volunteers just looking around. It's okay if I use, I'm going to actually, I want to pick on two of my guys, Jeremy and Will. Can y'all come up oh, here? come on. Come on up here, Jeremy and Will. William Dude. I'm going to make an example out of them. I know they're thrilled That's about this. That's a good idea. Jeremy, try to stay away. I'm not going to make fun of soccer, Will. Uh, I am. Yeah, sure. yeah he, he actually texted me. He's like, hey, I like your soccer jacket you've got on. I was like, this is a soccer jacket? I took it off immediately. Uh, so in this last portion of the message, and this is it, uh, we have to make right sacrifices for these promises. We have to take hold of the weapons of old. We have to put these things into to action. Uh, 
we're, we're going to do that, uh, and we're going to do it corporately. We're not going to do it individually. I mean, if you, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I grabbed hold of that weapon, and I did this, and I did that, and nobody sees it or sees the fruit of it. You did it in secret, or you did it when it was convenient for you. I'm going to tell you that nothing, no sacrifice, no weapon usage that the Lord asks you to do is easy and it's not what you want. It's not the manner in which you would want to do it. It's, it's going to be an actual sacrifice. But again, it's the only sacrifice that's worth anything because it preserves the promises of God. Amen? We see that in Ipsan. Yeah, he, he gave away this, this, the 30 daughters. And, and it's, 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 uh, it's such an act of faith. And we know that because it was specifically outside of his clan. He wasn't marrying off inside his clan that would benefit him. Right. He was marrying outside of it so it would benefit Israel. It would establish the peace of God in the chaos of the enemy. They had gotten struck on the heel very hard. They needed a man to make right sacrifice into the chaos so that God's peace and promise would come into fruition. And Ipsan did that. And he sacrificed that. And we, we can see that. He, but he, I want you to know he didn't just give up his daughters, which is it's crazy. It's hurt. It's, that, that's a deep cut. He didn't just do that. He didn't just give daughters outside of his clan, which that was an even deeper cut. He was allowing the promises of God to cut him deep, and he put into action. But he didn't just do that. What we don't realize and what we need to is that it wasn't just that. It was also 30 dowries that he had to come up with I mean, if I've got two daughters, I'm sweaty thinking about doing two, I have to provide for two, you know, do two weddings, right? Yeah, no, I know. I mean, 30. And uh, let, let's give it up for Ipsan. He's busy, by the way. I, I, I know he's from the submission clan. I, he's, uh, that's a baby name, I guess. That's right. Oh, he probably, yeah. But the point is, is that he made a right sacrifice once and twice. And then this other, raising this dowry for him to give to each of his daughters so that he could give them off. You don't think that that cut him even deeper? Listen, I'm going to tell you, you might say, well, I've given my daughter. I've given it outside of the clan. That's enough. I've given my daughter. That's enough. I'm going to tell you, it's not enough. The Lord wants everything. Everything is enough. And, and again, I want you to realize that what God blessed Ipsan with were daughters for his 30 sons that he ruled, that ruled with him. Now think about this. All wasn't law. He, has, he had to sacrifice that. But what he gets is wives for his sons that produces peace. And Ipsan ruled over Israel, judged over Israel with his sons. God will bless you, but you got to give away the daughters. you got to give away the things that, without expecting anything in return, and even when it costs you everything, and I'm not even talking about finances. I'm talking about your emotions, your, your heart, your old ways, your religiosity, your thought process, how you were raised, whatever it is, whatever makes you, how about this, whatever makes you uncomfortable about everything that's preached here, that's got to go. That's got to be, that's about it, that has to be given to the Lord. But when you do that, the Lord will bless 
your sons and your rule and peace will be established everywhere you put your foot. We're doing that at King's Harvest. We're going to do that tonight with these sons of the house of King's Harvest Church. What I'm going to ask, I want everybody to be a part of this. And I want to, in front of our family, ordain these men locally for the King's Harvest body as pastors of King's Harvest Church. That's right. Long live the king. This is how promises are fulfilled. It's not just, and this is, this has been a long time coming. Not my timetable, not their timetable. They don't know that we're doing this. I didn't know we were doing this till two months ago or three months ago. Elder David came to me because I was like, oh man, I'm, this, that's not going to work. I can't assume that I can do this. At the, I mean, that, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never ordained anybody. I was thinking, I was doubting. And David came to me, Elder David at King's Harvest, and he's like, hey, I need to talk to you. I was like, I need to talk to you. And We've done this now a couple of times about other things, but I, I share with this in my heart. He's like, oh, that's what's on my heart, too. That's what I want to, uh, I agree. We need to do it. It's time. And I was like, thank God for godly men, for elders. Amen. And I asked if in this process, again, never done this, but I I don't, ha I don't have to know perfectly how to do it because these men have proven themselves faithful. They don't have, there's, no, there's no test that they've had to take. They've had their, their service and their family's service in the promises of God for King's Harvest Church. They've lived it. They've demonstrated it. They've read the word and they've put it into practice. And I know, how many of you, how many of you know these two men and their families? How many of you, men, uh, how many of you people believe this is the Lord. Give me a shout of praise. Amen. I agree. And I want to, I want to publicly say, and, and look, could I, uh, Elder David, could you come up here? Mouton? He split the seas right through. I want him to be a part of this. Also, Eli Konichka, could you please come up here and be a part of this? our resident deacon at King's Harvest Church. All these men, they, they, look, they preached last year. This is our, it's our pit crew. These guys, these guys have never done any of this for a title. They decided just to live out the title without the title. God ordained these men for these acts of service. We're just recognizing it tonight, and we're affirming that they, we see the call of God on their lives. Amen? And we wanted, we wanted y'all to be a part of this. And so we're going to hold these guys accountable. And I would ask for the call of God on their life. Promises are going to get fulfilled in all of our churches. And we're going to do this one spirit, one body. Because it's, one, it's one Jesus. Yeah. That, that's one fire shut up in our bone. Amen? Amen? I know, Eric, it's a little cramped. But can we ask the pastors and elders to, to come up? Or just the pastors? What do you think? Let's grab pastors. Could I have all the church? Oh, amen. Hallelujah. I want to say one more thing. No, you say what you want to say. 
If I could, uh, can I stand on this? Oh, yeah. Okay. Jump on it, baby. Okay. Why well, didn't I preach off of this? <laughs> could we have the, the articles uh, uh, for the One Association pastors put up there? Uh, and I, want, I asked Pastor Eric about this before. These are not, I'm not asking for them to be ordained as One Association pastors. I'm asking them to be ordained as local pastors at King's Harvest Church. But the goal is for God to use them however he sees fit. And the articles that we have, the oaths from our articles that I've agreed with, I already know they agree with them because they've lived them. I don't have to ask them, do you agree, do you agree? Because I know them. We've been doing, they've been doing the work. Again, God called them to this. We're just recognizing them. They're ordained. We're going to continue to ask the Lord to raise up sons. This. Long live the king! This, I mean, I know it costs all this. this. This has cost me everything. And I'm happy about it. And I don't just mean, I mean family, relationships, everything you can imagine. And I love every bit of it because the Lord was faithful to bring sons. I, if you sacrifice it, the Lord will bless you. And he'll bless you with men, families that you don't deserve that you can't even imagine. And he'll do it supernaturally. You just gotta do what God's called you to do. Cut everything else away, don't worry about it. The deck is stacked in your favor. And I, I wanna publicly say one time, before we pray over these men, one time, and I don't know how many years ago it was, I wanna say it's a long, long time ago. We had a minor disagreement. We were sitting at a Chimes restaurant. <laughs> having beer and it was you know you've been yeah and I know I've had beer yes we, we, <laughs> we were sitting at a Chimes restaurant in Baton Rouge and uh, I had a slight disagreement I don't remember the disagreement and it was just trivial but it was a disagreement between Jeremy and uh, 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 Will and myself and I told them I said hey listen I want you to understand something I'm not proud of this, by the way. But I said, I want y'all here, but I don't need y'all here. And that was a wrong, you know, because in my mind, I'm like, I can do everything. Selfish. I'm, I'm a piece of garbage without Jesus. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a jerk face. And I told those men that. And... That was a real Jephthah-type statement to make, in my opinion. I want to clarify, I want to repent to y'all for that, and I can't look at them and y'all at the same time, so I'll just turn my back. I got a lion back here, too. Uh. I want to tell y'all that I repent for that, and not only do I want y'all part of King's Harvest, I need y'all. And it goes full circle. We said this at King's Harvest Church. I need my brother, and my brother needs me. 
And at that meeting, we laid hands on four men. One didn't make it. And God brought, he was faithful to bring one to fill. I mean, this, this has always been God working. We're going to do the things that God's called us Amen. to. He's going to pr prove faithful. Amen. Yeah. I want to explain. Why don't you guys sit down? I want to explain to you what's happening. We are still working out our best practices. But all of the pastors have settled on something. We're not going to ordain people locally in a corner where it can be avoided. The local ordination is not really different than the one association ordination except that you have the chance to work with the One Association pastor in your locale. You have a chance to prove faithful with somebody right there that already has that can help you. These men will be ordained into the One Association, but it will come after they have built the confidence working beside the man who has been pastoring them so that we no longer have insecure sons that are fighting with inadequacy because they were given a crown that felt to them too big. We have known, Justin and I, since the beginning that this was the destiny for these two men. We actually believe that one will stay forever in that location and the other is destined to be fired out in a team. We've been laboring towards that, and they've been patient. And that builds character. It builds the kind of character that doesn't break oaths, the kind of character that doesn't renegotiate the fundamentals, the kind of character that's not looking for some new and better way as a thinly veiled disguise for their ambitions. I wanted to read a passage from Numbers 8. I can tell, I can tell you're going to get a few passages. I can feel that coming. This is Numbers 8:14. Thus you shall separate the Levites from among the people of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. And after the Levites shall go in to serve at the tent of meeting, when you have cleansed them, and offered them as a wave offering. You men are being offered as a wave offering before the Lord. You're among the best that King's Harvest has ever produced. And now you get to serve him as an example of what your church produces. A wave offering. For they are wholly given to me from among the people of Israel. I want you to understand how that works. When Israel came out of Egypt, every firstborn son in Israel belonged to God. But God decided that he would take a Levite substitution instead. What this means for a Levite is you relate to the body of King's Harvest just like you were their firstborn sons. That means that every man to you is either a father or a brother or a son in your family. 
and every woman is a mother, a sister, or a daughter. You're now family, separated from them, standing in the place of their family member that was not chosen by God but belonged to God for this purpose. In verse 19, these letters get smaller every year, Justin. <laughs> and I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the people of Israel. You're not just a wave offering an example before the Lord. You're not just a family member of the congregation. You are a gift to Justin Johnson. And I think you just heard him express that. There is no better way to express that than through repentance, though. You're a man of God, Justin, and I've always wanted to be like you. I think you could have worn the sweatpants and gotten away with it. <laughs> and I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the people of Israel to do the service for the people of Israel at the tent of meeting and to make atonement for the people of Israel that there may be no plague among the people of Israel when the people of Israel come near the sanctuary. You are now joined in the perfection of the offering. There are the lives of the people of King's Harvest. You were ordained from the moment of your birth, but you've reached the place where men that you love see it and say, there's a sense of urgency about protecting this promise right now. It's my joy to participate in this with you. And we will do it again as a one association. But this is your time to work closely in a local body without the burden of international affairs. I saw everybody wrestling with your Bibles. Brothers, I just want to read this over you in light of what we've been speaking about tonight. In Psalm 20, starting in verse 3, it says, May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation in the name of our God. Set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. Oh, Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. What an honor and a privilege it is to be here with you men today. This is a long time in coming, and it's a beautiful moment that we get to share together as a recognition, as pastors already said, of what the Lord has ordained for you from before time began and from surely from your birth. I want to echo what Pastor Eric said about you men being a gift. In Ephesians 4, it says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he 
gave gifts to men. Two verses later, it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. You're hearing almost the exact same language that you heard in the book of Numbers chapter 8, that you men are gifts, you are spoils of Christ's victory. He has redeemed you, he has saved you, he rescued you, and then he's turned and he's given you men as gifts to Justin, to the body at King's Harvest Church, and to the body of the One Association. I want to charge you with all that's within me and by the anointing of the Heavenly Father. Have the boldness that comes from knowing that you are gifts from Christ to the body to do the work that you were always uh, made and purposed to do. Just something real quick in Exodus chapter 40, 15. Aaron had just been anointed. And then it says, Bring his sons, so that they too may be anointed to serve with their father. We're talking about raising up sons, and this is a demonstration for King's Harvest, which has never been done in their history. This is the first. I got the left foot of fellowship before this happened. <laughs> but that was fellowship, not church. King's Harvest Church is very different than King's Harvest Fellowship. I'm from your cloth. So I didn't, I didn't, I'm in fellowship, too. I'm, my church is disbanded as well. When a father is anointed, his sons mature to the point where they become anointed so they can serve with their father. Yes. And I just wanted to share that with you guys. It's short, but... You are sons of the ministry, so and you're going to serve with your father, and then your sons are going to come forth, and they'll be anointed, because it says for a perpetual generation. Amen. 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 I got you. Okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, for Brother Jeremy, uh, we know... I don't have get, uh, time, many time to spend time with you and know you, but it's easy to see uh, in John 10, 11. It say, God said, uh, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down his life for this sheep. Yeah, yeah. And, but it's so easy to see that you become like him in this context is it to see that his heart our father jesus his heart the good shepherd is in you you are a good shepherd you are a good father that will never let any sheep your sons will die and we'll do <laughs> <laughs> Still remember the time that you ride with me, with Abimbola on that s small <laughs> scooter in Indonesia. <laughs> yeah, if, if anybody want to see the video, it's fun. <laughs> but like last year when I saw you up here, and I can see the pastor heart in you. Yeah. And... In Psalm 18, it says, He trained your hand for war. Yeah. 
so that my and your arm can bend a bow of bronze. He have given you the shield of your salvation, and your right hand support me. His right hand support you. And God's gentleness made you great. I can see your hand will shoot arrows to the nation. Come on. <coughs> wow. Amen. Good. Come on. As Pastor Mike really fights hard to hold back this <laughs> fire that's about to come out of him, we're teaching two things right here. One, we're charging you. One, we're learning as an association how and why we do this. I want to clear something up right away. If Justin says they're ready, they're ready. That's not in question. Their time of proving faithful is not because they're trying to measure up. But did you hear what Gary said to Jeremy? I, I don't yet know you, brother. But I do have this word for you. Our oaths depend on us knowing each other. Because we have to be able to say, I have proven to my brothers and my brothers have proven to me. That has already occurred with Justin and these men. What we will do is spend our next season together so that they can feel that way about us and we can feel that way about them and it's not a hollow statement. That is why we ordain locally before we ordain into the one association. This word will be lost of many in this room. Um, But as I was walking up, uh, I saw Judges 15. And Judges 15 says later on, at a time of wheat harvest, Mm. Samson took a young goat Mm. and he went to visit his wife. And he said, I am going to my wife's room. But her father would not let him go in. Mm. I was so sure you thoroughly hated her, he said, that I gave her to your friend. Is it her younger sister more attractive? Take her instead. Samson said to them, this time I've got the right to get even with the Philistines and I will really harm them. So he went out and he caught 300 foxes and he tied their tails uh, two by two in pairs. Then he fastened a torch to every pair of their tails, lit the torches and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. And he burned up the shocks and standing grain together with the vineyards and the olive groves. And when the Philistines asked who did this, they were told it was Samson. Why? Because his wife was given to a friend. He was walking up and uh, thinking about what's going on here as I see a mighty man of God who has stood the test through many trials and tribulations when there's been conflict and controversy because of fathers that would not let covenant relationships happen. And he sent men away time after time again. He wouldn't let the covenants deepen and the Lord's returned it. And he's returned it to you in two foxes with their tails tied together who are being sent forth in the harvest to burn burn down the Philistine harvest and raise up the king's harvest. And I got to tell you, men, I know we got many of the plans 
right, of a man, but the Lord orders his yes. footsteps, and we all got ideas about where we're going and how we're going to do things. But I'm going to tell you first and foremost, this is a three-stranded cord Amen. that the Lord's tethering together right Amen. here, right now. Amen. I love you, you fellas. And I spent time in the trenches for six years with Pastor Justin and some of these things. So you men are a super exciting sight to me Amen. for my brother. We're going to hear from Zeke, then we're going to hear from Matthew, and then Pastor Slaughter, and then we're going to pray. Yeah? Yes. Yes. I get that not everybody understands the depth of what Pastor Mike just said, but if you if you have a situation that happened to you, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, I want you to know that nobody else's unfaithfulness can ever keep the call of God from happening in your life. I, I want you to know that Joseph's brothers not doing right couldn't keep Joseph from becoming Zaphonath Paneah. There's only one thing that can keep the call of God from happening in your life, and that's your own disobedience. The faithful will never be covered in shame. But don't believe that disobedience doesn't cost something. Disobedience can take something 20 years to come about that should have come about in 10. Some of us standing on this stage are seeing decades-old problems corrected right now. And we're really happy about it. I had the privilege, Jeremy, of seeing your face when Justin gave that information. And uh, that touched me. I saw the tears well up in your eyes. And uh, this look of um, joy, it's satisfaction but a satisfaction that's from a place of gratitude. You've been raised up for this. You too, Will. I saw your backside. I'm sorry. Uh, he was just as good looking. He was. Will was doing the same thing. Uh, but the way you men's face welled up with those tears, that proves that you're ready. This is, a, this is an impactful day. Quick word. Justin and I were interacting with this text maybe a year or so ago about the parable of the talents. And it says, um, again, to be like a man going on a journey. And he called his servants and he entrusted them his property. And you men are being entrusted with something. And because you're being entrusted with something because you're trustworthy men. And this is time. But it's because, not because the Lord wants you to hear something on that final day. But it's because he wants King's Harvest to hear something on that final day. And it's in that same parable. Because he's entrusted this to you, King's Harvest will hear. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. Jeremy and Will, what we're witnessing right now is tangible evidence of being surrounded by guards of God's house. And we are clapping our hands together with weapons of old, meeting one another. And we all shout, long live the future kings. 
Before I share our scripture, Jeremy, I want to go back to a moment that we had about a year and a half ago. We covered Exodus 3 and Exodus 4. I want to say you now stand as a man who confidently knows who gave man his mouth. Who put that staff in your hand? God gave you his word. And he has put his word in your mouth. And it has taken effect and will continue to take effect. The shepherd's staff in your hand, that's a sign for you that he called you. And the miracles that come from it are a sign to the people that God is with you. Jeremy, does that bear witness with you? You know why it bears witness with Jeremy? Because Matthew experienced it. Yeah. yeah. And what he's doing right now is smearing that anointing yeah. on a king. Amen. Well, I, I've had the opportunity to get snapshots. Snapshots of you growing into the stature of a man that you are now. As we're standing here, keep hearing the phrase, the Lord has helped you find your footing that your feet are planted, planted to be prepared. And here's why. It's a passage that we're so familiar with. You saw a treasure in the field, and you bought the whole damn field. Not only the treasure which you saw in the present, but it's the field that would grow the lives afterwards. You've laid down your own life for the sheep, and that's earned the right to stand on this stage. Read to you out of Second Timothy. Second Timothy one verse thirteen. I'll modify it a couple of times. What you have heard from us, keep as the pattern of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you it's gonna take both of those in full effect at all times? Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. You are anointed men. You are empowered men. And it will be that supernatural empowerment that is going to raise up more future kings just like you. Last passage, continuing in chapter 2. You then, our sons, our future kings, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard us say and seen us live in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. We're entrusting you with our lives because you have fully entrusted your lives to the service of the king on behalf of the people. We love you. I just wanted to go on record saying that I'm so proud of you, Justin. I think that this is, for all three of you guys, you guys have, have become experts in waiting. That's a key skill in the kingdom. Being joyful and being patient, no matter what affliction comes your way. It says, when the fig tree does not bud, this is Habakkuk 3, 17, 18, and 19, and there are no grapes on the vines. When the olive trees do not produce and the fields yield no crops, when the sheep disappear from the pen and there are no cattle in the stalls, 
I will rejoice because of the Lord. I will be happy because of the God who delivers me. The sovereign Lord is my source of strength. He gives me the agility of a deer. He enables me to negotiate the rugged terrain. I think together the three of you guys will be experts in waiting on the promises of God to unfold. And while other people may be losing their minds, you guys will find your source of joy in the Lord as you wait for him to deliver on these promises. At this point, if we could have you stand to your feet. Gentlemen, on this stage, if we could have you join arms. Ordination in the Bible had all of the Israelites laying hands on the Levites and the Levites having the Aaronic priesthood lay their hands on them. You'd have to picture that from an aerial view. It must have looked like a bunch of connected body members, each with different functions, but all the same body. So, well, we pray with Justin. Justin, if you'll put your hands on these two sons that have become equal brothers. You can begin praying with us and Justin's gonna lead us in prayer for them. <laughs> 